0: First things first
1: First, it's the DU General, Money di am I'ma put you up on the schedule. Six to nine, eight weekdays, not two and seven years. Let's go. We got a lot to talk about, so much to pedal through. Unapologetically progressive. Tune to KBLA 1580 to get the mess. We're your ancestors' favorite radio station. First, black on talk radio, left side of the nation. First. Me and Dominique the Prima go way back. Way Finally, making sure the station stays black. Discussing all the issues in our community. The black and brown and others find unity. So let's talk about it. Everybody can improve it. Digital underground, always down with the moon. Come on. so we tune in. The first things first with the Queen of Black Talk Radio, Dominique de Prima. Go, sis Go sis.
2: Good morning, and God bless. I'm Dominique Dupreme of the show. is called First Things First. My first thing today and every day, giving Thanksgiving praises, asking for blessings from the Most High, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders, and let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We got a lot to talk about. So this is the structure of this show, which you probably already know, but our one, we stick to the left coast. Pacific side, west side, um, hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep, deep dive with a person or persons of interest. Today is a little bit mostly on that track. And of course, as you know, you are welcome in any time. Hour one, it's me, you, and this microphone, telephone, uh, speakerphone, whatever you got going on, 800-920-1580, the perfect time to call me as we look at uh, the situation here. Hour two, we will be joined by Senator Lola Smallwood-Cuevas representing us in Sacramento and uh, a truly progressive lawmaker with uh, a lot of updates for us. So looking forward to that conversation. Hour three, we'll meet uh, Gerald Sanders, a woman who um, is in need of her own reparation and because of that has found what she believes is a key to getting reparations for black folks. What a great warm-up to uh tomorrow's freedman friday where we will have attorney Camila moore joining us for that segment that's the second hour of the show every friday now it's freedman friday it is a comprehensive conversation about reparations <laughs> what does that mean all comers all factions all points of view are welcome we got to get this thing across the finish line or m- multiple finish lines more than likely and we have momentum so we need to keep that momentum going that's my thought we'll also um be having a reparations conversation on the local level with um LA civil rights uh executive director Capri Maddox who will be joining us prior to attorney Moore in hour 1 because there are some looming deadlines and I I'll share that with you today as well regarding reparations here locally in Los Angeles we have a commission that is looking at reparations. And one of the things they need is they need feedback for all the talk and all the hype and all the passion around this subject. Sometimes when we are called upon to get online or show up, usually they're online, go to a meeting, fill out a form. Uh, we are not always jumping for joy to do that. And I get that. It seems like more paperwork, perhaps a waste of your time, but we have a deadline here to share our experiences with the Los Angeles Commission uh, that's dealing with reparations, and it is the thirty-first of December. So um, we need to get on that and get the data in there. Just share your experiences. It's not uh, you—you know—it's not going to be used for anything other than the making the case, building the case for city reparations here in Los Angeles. And, you know, I am one who would love to see reparations everywhere it can be applied, meaning locally, countywide, statewide, nationally, within the private sector, within the public institutions um, and private institutions like educational, and within corporate uh, the corporate sector, i.e. all of those insurance companies and other types of businesses that made a whole bunch of money off selling our ancestors, by sell, trade, insuring our ancestors. Um, but some disagree. And again, I do not pretend to be the premier world expert on reparations. What I do have is a mic and a platform. And what I do know is I've been talking about this since me and Mr. Dick Gregory were chatting about it in the 1990s. So I open up this platform for all comers and, you know, some have their whatever they don't want. If you don't want to come, that's on you. But if you do, I don't have to agree with you. What I want to do is let you be heard. Um, I, what I want to do is make this a conversation that can educate ourselves and each other. Well, where are you really coming from, and and what work is being done, and how can I be part of that, or how can I help? Uh, I think, you know, all of all of these conversations, we make assumptions sometimes about what other communities believe, or we base our analysis only on what's going on on social media, and there's just a lot more to it. So, um, I, I'm excited about Friedman Fridays because it seems to be gaining a lot of momentum. People are contacting us from all over the state and all over the country um looking to be part of that conversation. I love that. I mean, that means that there is an appetite for this discourse, for the intellectual uh exploration and understanding. And I always say this, but it's so true what Mr. Dick Gregory said to me. I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, something like that. He said, um, it's going to take 50 years for us to get reparations. That's what he thought. But the other piece, and, and maybe we'll do it sooner. It looks like we might. But the other piece that he used to say is that normalization is what's necessary. People have to think of this as something that is acceptable to them mentally, intellectually, socially, and get it off the fringe. And I think, uh, lots of different parties have, helped make that happen. And now it is not a fringe conversation anymore. How do we bring it across the finish line or finish lines? We have to keep talking about it. We have to educate not just ourselves and uh, white folks, but other black people, you know, because once we we know and we're solid on what the arguments are and what the proposals are, then we can more effectively uh, not just abolish the talking points or counteract, the sort of what have become almost like, you know, tropes about reparations too, um, but also to feel solid and to feel strong about why we believe the way we believe and why reparations is not a luxury and not a handout, is not welfare, it's not affirmative action, it is something, a debt that is due to black Americans and you know other people in the diaspora too, but as we've said repeatedly, these folks can uh, they do and they can and do have campaigns um, of their own s- seeking to uh, get reparations, uh, repair for whatever harms they have experienced. So, apparently, on yesterday, the NFL owners voted to bring the Super Bowl to Inglewood in 2027. Um, it was a unanimous vote. They have their super billionaire meetings in Dallas, and apparently it's coming to Inglewood, the SoFi Stadium, for the win. Uh, we saw that coming. This is a great market to have something like the Super Bowl. And, you know, I have the uh, this love-hate. I won't even call it hate. I have a love-critique. Um, relationship with football. I loved watching the game. I love the game itself, the athletic prowess, the impact, the, you know, the fun. I mean, you know, it's just, it's fun to go to football games. My um, critique part comes with the harm that happens to players, you know, as far as the concussions and such and how the reparation, if you will, whatever restitution is probably a more appropriate word for that harm has been doled out. Um, my, my critique comes with the underpayment marginalization of women within the organizations, including the gross and negligent, horrific underpaying of those cheerleaders, uh, and the treatment of women inside NFL organizations And it also, the critique comes with the piece about the way they deal with DV, domestic violence. Um, You teach young, uh, strong, impressionable uh, people that they are rewarded for hitting hard and being ruthless. Then you've got to work with them on how to deal with real life. Field, not field. And uh, the great um, psychologist, Dr. Tracy Shaw told me that she presented something to the NFL. She is a sports psychologist and a family therapist who was over um, all of those programs at UCLA and later LMU, that she presented the NFL with a comprehensive package about how to address players in terms of preparing them. And apparently it's not just players, it's uh, throughout the league in administrative coaching and other positions about how to deal with domestic violence and um, they didn't even grace her with a response. So that's the part I hate. The part I love is the game itself, you know, and the fun and the way that, you know, it brings people together. Of course, my 49ers, I I grew up on football. So uh, it's a big deal. I think it, I hope that it does bring a lot of opportunity to the area. Sometimes folks fly in, fly out, and you know don't stop at the restaurants or don't utilize the um businesses there in Inglewood but hopefully that will not be the case here it'll be televised on ESPN and ABC it's going to be ESPN's first Super Bowl um since 2006 um so i think you know big deal 2024 Las Vegas um 2025 New Orleans 2026, Santa Clara, 2027, SoFi Stadium. Good. Come where it's warm. (laughs) Forget all this NFL in the snow. This is a place, where this is an area where the left coast should have an advantage. I know New Orleans is not on the west coast, but uh, Santa Clara, Los, um, Los Angeles, a.k.a. Inglewood, and Las Vegas certainly are, and New Orleans, you know, well, it's New Orleans. So, I, you know, I think it's good news. Love to hear your thoughts if you feel like that's a bad idea. But apparently they were thinking of bringing the Super Bowl here earlier. However, we kind of busy. <laughs> so we got the World Cup and all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so, you know, big news for football fans and actually, actually football frenemies alike Protest yesterday on the 110 freeway. Take a look at that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic Prima when we come forward. Right now.
2: Right now. Right now. Um, yeah, so the freeway got shut down on yesterday. Pretty sure you saw that. The 110. There were protesters with their arms linked. They had a giant menorah out on the freeway. And this was a Jewish American group protesting, um, calling on the U.S. government to stop supporting the Israeli military um, and stop the, well, calling for a ceasefire. I mean, that's really what they wanted, a ceasefire in the Gaza. This was on the 110 in downtown Traffic was backed way up. It was bad. Apparently, some of the protesters were fighting with folks in cars, and some motorcycles were going around the line and flying through. And this, you know, you've, we've seen a lot of, or at least I've been reading about a lot of these kinds of protests by Jewish Americans who are saying, you know, we don't want this done in our name. We don't. We don't stand with Israel in this conflict. But I've seen more of that happening on the on the East Coast, in New York, shutting down bridges and all kinds of, um, you know, big protests by Jewish American groups. I haven't seen it as much here in Los Angeles. Um, this particular group says that they have been working to raise awareness, but they're not seeing the movement that they want. It's called If Not Now. That's the name of the group. This is their L.A. branch, If Not Now. And they say, this is what they said on Wednesday in the statement that they put out when, uh, as part of the protest, we demand an end to the financial support of Israel's occupation and documented war cl- crimes, including the indiscriminate mass murder of over 18,000 Palestinians and the forced displacement of 1.9 million civilians. Um, and this group is predominantly made up of American Jews, um, And some allies that that join, they want the U.S. military to stop supporting Israel. Um, They want, uh, with military aid, you know, any kind of military aid, of which, you know, the United States invests a substantial amount every year, even when it's not wartime, um, in Israeli military forces. They want that to stop interesting that the Anti-Defamation League says that uh, this Jewish American group engages in what they call divisive rhetoric, some of which may be offensive to members of the mainstream Jewish community. I think that's, I don't, you know, I'd I'd have to do a deeper analysis. But it's interesting that um, now you're not talking about hate, you're talking about from what what I'm reading, you're talking about being the arbiters of what political positions are acceptable. And I think that's a a very different assignment, right? Because most progressive or militant or radical groups in any community, Black, Latina, Asian, are going to say things that might offend people who are more moderate or who are conservative. That's kind of How politics works, especially when you're talking about young um, activists. It's normal. That's probably gone back since there were human beings. Certainly that has been an issue in every generation, right? Think about Malcolm X. There were plenty of conservatives, plenty of, um, not even conservatives, respectability politics folks who would be considered liberals even, who found Malcolm X's rhetoric offensive. In fact, that is still true today. And a lot of it is based on their misinterpretations or their uh, lack of contextualization of the comments, the the but some of it is just based on their politics. Just because you don't agree with El Haj Malik Shabazz's politics doesn't make it hateful. It just makes it something that you find offensive. And so I wonder about a group that's meant to track hate and discrimination, anti-Semitism in this case, but, you know, any other group, whether it be the NAACP, the ADL, you know, Southern Poverty uh, League, that they, um, what, where's the line? Are you, you know, And the reason I bring it up is because I feel like one of the things that's polarizing us right now and making it where people are not, not everybody, but a lot of people aren't even able to have a productive dialogue is because people are going with these kind of talking point, trope, uh, stereotype things where if you don't support my point of view, then that's hate. You know, because I don't support your political line, that's not the same as hate. Because I don't, because I think Netanyahu is a menace to the world, that doesn't mean I am anti Semitic. I'm, I'm anti Netanyahu. Uh, I'm anti far right wing extremists in any country, any party, any ethnicity, any religion, any nationality. And I think the this is, you know, where our clarity about what we're saying and, and what we're hearing is so important. It's the only way forward is for folks to listen, learn how to listen to each other. Um, and, you know, every time the freeway shutdowns happen, yeah, it's inconvenient. People are late to work. Kids are late to school. But war is also inconvenient. Um, I remember you know, I'm sure you do too, when, you know, the freeway shutdowns were happening in 2020 around George Floyd protests and and the movement for Black Lives, Black Lives Matter. People didn't like it because people want to go where they're going. And I get that. Why is the slaughter of black Americans um, or, you know, the lives of hostages and Palestinian civilians less um, tolerable than just another accident another day because on any given day you might run into some terrible terrible traffic in Los Angeles I remember one day I sat on the 405 with my child for four hours four hours I was like ready to jump out of the car go to the bathroom (laughs) I didn't want to die so um Due to an accident. I mean, that's the four hundred five. It, I admit, it's the busiest, um, most terrible freeway in the world, and that's saying something. I, in fact, I'm not sure I b- even believe that because I've been to Lagos in the <laughs> Lagos in Nigeria. People are bu- driving both ways in lanes um, that you think are going one way, and but apparently, we we beat all of that um, with the four hundred five. So let's all take a deep breath um, and and pack our patience. Whether it's the rain that we anticipate or the protests, it might take you longer than you think. To get from point A to point B, call me now if you want to. News, traffic, and sports. Then more on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: Here's to a holiday season full of peace, Peace, joy, and happiness. happiness. Happy Kwanzaa from all of us at KBLA Talk Talk 1580. 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique De Prima on KBLA Talk 1580.
2: Appreciate you. Love to hear from you. 809-20-1580. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us. We're on the YouTubes every day. It's KBLA 1580. I'm there too, Dominique. Uh, B. De Prima. The B is for Baraka, or you could go with De Prima Radio. Either way, we'll get you to my YouTube page, my Twitter, my Instagram, and of course, we're everywhere on KBLA 1580 as well. I love the conversations that go on on the air and on the socials. So uh, please join us. And if you don't have our app yet, it's free. The podcasts are free. It's so convenient, and it helps us to uh, be there for you. Um. <laughs> really interesting article I think yesterday's LA Times about how um we kinda have our own little Florida city, our own little Florida city right here in Southern California in Huntington Beach. And I guess that it's not, you know, new news. I mean that this that city actually was famous um or is famous for being a um Hotbed of white supremacy, which is not really kind of the brand that most folks want for their city, but that's what Huntington Beach has been known as. And not to bash Huntington Beach, you know, but it 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 to me it started making me think. And and apparently they have this new very conservative city council majority and mayor, and they're making a lot of moves that not everyone is comfortable with, and not everyone voted for. Um, this article by Hannah Fry uh, in yesterday's L.A. Times really lays out what they're doing. Mayor Gracie Vandermark and Councilmember Tony Strickland. Ap- apparently, it's a four-member uh, slate that was um, was elected uh, to that council. And one of the things that they did, they're they're doing sort of the Ron DeSantis anti woke agenda. They banned the flying of the pride flag at city hall. They, um, you know, have made themselves a mask free city, whatever that means. A Matt, no mask, no vaccine mandate city. Uh, they sued the state over the state wants, the state has this um, system where every city has to give a plan for what they are, what they have in mind uh, regarding housing. And, what happens is that cities that are wealthy or cities that don't want any hmm, low income people or more black people or more Latino people, whatever they're, you know, they want to keep their city the way it is. Let's put it that way. That conservatives, often they won't even submit the plans that they're meant to submit for housing because if that way they don't, have to expand. They don't have to do anything. So they just defy the law, defy the policy. But um, now, you know, we're looking at crackdowns where we could see cities having plans imposed upon them if they don't comply. Santa Monica is one of those cities that hasn't complied. Apparently Huntington Beach as well. uh, They say that they not only are they ignoring the housing plan, they're suing the state, um, because they say they don't want to create more housing. They're saying it will change their beach city lifestyle. There's a new um, euphemism, beach city lifestyle. Because when I think of beach city, I think of, you know, Senegal. <laughs> I think they, they, they're thinking more Baywatch, you know. In any case, it, it points to something that is unique. Well, maybe it's not unique to California, but it's more extreme in California, which is that you have this, we have an image. California is a blue state. We're supposedly very liberal, even progressive. We have a progressive governor, um, even though he may be inching to the center as he tees up a presidential run. But, you know, he's not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination. We have a super duper majority in in the um, state house, right? Senate and Assembly. However, the center of the state tends to be very conservative. Uh, The, you know, Kern County areas and whatnot. So it is literally a tale of two states. And I've talked about this before, even though we're considered a blue state, California is really like two states in one. It's bigger than many nations. We know that. I think we're the third largest or fourth largest economy in the world. If we were a country, if California alone was a country, It would rank above most nations, but it's a country divided. The center of the state tends to be red and the coastal areas and the urban areas, who lives in urban areas, tend to be blue. And that, you know, of course, Huntington Beach is a coastal area, but it is uh, the exception to that rule in Orange County as you know coastal or not <laughs> tends to be more conservative although it's moving toward the purple even Huntington Beach is moving toward the purple but how do we how do we address that you know if you look at progressive legislation that has passed like 167 or whatever which helps people uh, to not have double jeopardy and move on with their lives after they've served their time for certain felonies uh, by getting them expunged for their records those pass in LA they pass in San Francisco right they even pass like in Sacramento where they don't pass is Bakersfield Fresno right the center of the state and probably uh, orange county um there's just more people in the cities by volume there's more of us in the cities so we carry some of those measures not all of them remember we couldn't we couldn't reinstate affirmative action in our beautiful uh, California, when we tried it in uh, 2022, it went down to defeat. So you know, it it doesn't always work. But is California, <laughs> you know, is it a mini little statewide civil war happening every single day? <laughs> you know, on a on a tiny level, or is it a model of how we can live together, how America has to learn to live together. Um, And will the extremism of this Huntington Beach uh, new slate, will they move that city back towards the center? I'm not going to delude myself and say they're going to be liberal, even though they had a slate that was considered liberal. When ones that put the pride flag up in the first place, then uh, they vote in a new group that takes it down. I think the the thing I liked about this LA Times article is because they interviewed people from the city who are um now questioning their vote. They said, "Well, we wanted you know fiscal conservatism. We wanted someone to fight against more um, development, the NIMBYism, we not in our backyard. We don't want low income housing here. That's what we wanted. What we didn't want was what we didn't want was banning the pride flag. Uh, what we didn't want was this, you know, the the DeSantis anti-woke agenda, uh, fighting over masks. What we didn't want was, um, you know, all of these things which can be seen as a distraction. Right. And and bring us t- back to uh, an image they were trying to shed, which was the white supremacy capital of the West Coast. Um, So I think there's something good about that when people start to wake up and say, you know what, now they have passed uh, um, restrictions on what library books can um, can be in Huntington Beach libraries. So, you know, then it has some folks say, and they got rid of their Human Relations Commission, which was actually in response to the white supremacist reputation, but also a couple of hate crimes, uh, one, uh, against an African American and one against a, a, an LGBTQ, uh, Q person. So I love that there are some people who are conservative or right leaning or Republican, whatever they are, that are saying, look, I wanted, I didn't want a bunch of poor people moving in here. Maybe I, you know, I wanted to cut down the size of city government. I didn't want to get on the Ron DeSantis train and start the war on wokeness. That war on wokeness wastes resources, time and energy from elected officials who really should be focused on improving the quality of life of their constituents. You know, how about fixing the roads, potholes, street lights? How about, you know, um, bringing business to the city so that those small businesses that are located there can thrive. How about focusing on the unhoused people that you do have stuff like that? That's to me, those are the bread and butter issues, but somehow as much as we think of, um, this being a Florida phenomena, it's a California phenomena. We have our own little Florida and it's not just Huntington beach. It's here, there and everywhere. How do we live together? Well, we're doing it, I guess. Um, And how do we wake up those who have, you know, drank the Kool-Aid of the war on wokeness? (laughs) You want me to go back to sleep? You want me to get unconscious after I've become conscious? You want to put the genie back in the bottle? Well, I don't think it's going to happen. You can vote in your slate. You can vote out your pride flag. But your younger generations, your Gen Z and Alpha. Yeah, I know. Dylan Roof was Gen Z, I think. They're there. But in the main, I don't think we're going back. You can forget that. Um, love to hear your thoughts on this or any of the other conversations we have going on. 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580. I'm Dominique De Prima for KBLA Talk 1580.
1: Say the quiet part out loud. out loud. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins.
2: Police are looking for a man uh, in Culver City who apparently broke into, allegedly broke into a home, sexually assaulted a little kid. Um, they are asking for the public's help in locating him. They have a picture, um, and that happened um, about 10 days ago, about uh, maybe about a couple weeks ago, but now they have a picture out. Um, they're asking for folks to uh, step up if they have information. That happened in the middle of the night, around 2 o'clock in the morning. LAPD also releasing a picture and video of a man who, is uh, suspected of stabbing a guy on a metro train near Trade Tech uh, in downtown L.A. um, This guy, Jalil Sosaira, was stabbed, made it to the hospital, died there. Um, Well, made it home, called the paramedics and died uh, in the hospital. Um, But they have a picture and they're asking, again, they're asking for the public's help in finding this guy. Um, And, you know... Not, I don't like doing a lot of crime reporting because I think that's, it's not always productive. It's not always, it's not a gap, let me say, in, in news coverage. That's what we hear all day on a lot of mainstream media. But when stuff like that comes up where we need to be mindful, keep our eyes open, be aware, uh, I will bring it up, especially around the holidays when we can get, if people are drinking or they're in party mode, we can be careless, we can not be be paying attention when we need to be paying attention um and just be not to be you know paranoid or freaked out but to be aware to be security minded let's go to dwight from the city of compton hi dwight hi dwight you there
0: yes all Hello, right Dominique. good morning good morning to all the k b l a uh Family and uh, cavis, uh, Miles, everyone here at KBLA, thank you guys so much for such a wonderful uh radio station. I just want to wish you happy holidays, you, your family, and loved ones.
1: Thank uh, you, happy
0: uh holidays to all the KBLA family out there, the hard working postal workers. Uh, that some will even be working on Christmas Day, and uh, I just want to wish God's blessings in the coming new year, uh, uh to everyone there. And uh, like you were saying earlier, Dominique, it, uh, our democracy is just going to be a constant uh, struggle. There is no end to it. We just continue to improve it. It's like we uh, we eat every day. We're going to get hungry, so we have to <laughs> eat again. We, the nourishment that our body takes in, and then we just get rid of the waste.
1: <laughs>
0: and it's a constant, everyday, uh ongoing battle. And like you said, because we are against something, doesn't mean we we are, we uh uh say we're against Hamas doesn't mean we're against the Palestinian people. Uh because we're against uh who's uh uh radical uh government doesn't mean we're anti Semitic and against the Jewish people. It's just like uh you know we uh uh even even on the cross Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> Jesus wasn't against God. You know, he had a, a, a moment where he had a a, a, a a controversy uh in his in his you know in his in his thinking. So like you said, Dominique, we can criticize even members of our own family. Doesn't mean we, we're against our our entire family. We're just against uh that person. Like you said, Martin Luther King was considered a radical in his time. Yeah. And and now he may be considered uh, you know, uh uh not uh, progressive enough to some people because of, the, of his ideas and thoughts. So, like you said, it's an ongoing battle uh, and uh, even even there's going to be controversy. Look at that. The Proud Boys have a black leader. Now, who would have thought that? Well, <laughs> they're they're a black Republicans. Afro-Latino,
2: right? Kind of. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. black
0: Republicans. The Republicans are, are, uh, are, are, are using voter uh, suppression against black people. So, there's always those controversies. Like you said, California is considered a liberal state, but we have little pockets of, uh, of, of, of white supremacy. Big uh, pockets. In, in a big, <laughs>
2: big pockets, yeah. Dwight. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: And then Mississippi might have a, a liberal city because Jackson. Jackson,
2: there you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got Jackson, Mississippi in the middle of Mississippi. And I never knew Mississippi was 40% black, Dominique. I would have never thought that. Because out of say, if you got six uh, uh, voting districts, only Benny uh, Thompson's district is 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 the only one that has somebody black. You know that shows you how uh, gerrymandering
1: yes it uh,
0: does Yeah, they they put they pack all the black people into one voting district, and then you got five white districts and one black district in a state that's almost half and half. Black and white,
2: and you have the state government trying to choke out cities like Jackson uh, and and take away their autonomy over their police department and their judicial system. And others hold that thought to white. Continuing our conversation, always on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty.
1: Happy Kwanzaa from unapologetically progressive KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. A righteous rage, and don't be afraid to say what you see. We're KBLA Talk 1580.
2: We are, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Um, yeah, Charles in the in the um, YouTube chat room says it is a tale of two qu- countries. Quite frankly, not just a tale of two states. I think that's true. It might even be three countries, right? Because you have you have uh, the progressive, whatever, liberal so-called urban populations and then you have uh the republican or conservative white folks who are working class and then you've got the rich right who do pretty much whatever they want i mean the very rich right the the oligarchical class that actually runs uh the country dwight um i wanted to let you land Uh, you were making a lot of good points about how we have to keep um, working on our democracy. We just can't throw up our hands and how the gerrymandering uh, has a, it affects, uh, you know, Louisiana is an example, Mississippi is an example. Uh, you'll be heartened to know that um, there's a lawsuit right now. Alpha Phi Alpha is suing um, state of uh, Georgia over their maps, their um, voting maps. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and take take that land.
0: I just want to say, uh, uh you know, our, our democracy is a constant battle against white supremacy racism. We fought a revolutionary war against England for freedom, but we still had slavery. So it's a constant battle to to make things right. And uh, it's going to be a constant battle between, uh, they, in the Bible it said, one-third of the angels and Satan tried to overtake heaven. So how are we going to think we're going to have a, a nice and peaceful without any controversy here on earth? But, Dominique, in closing, happy holidays to everyone there. Happy holidays to the KBLA family. I'm wishing God's blessings in the coming new year. Thank you, Dominique.
2: Thank you, Dwight. We appreciate you. You've been uh, one of our day one, down from day one, um, KBLA delegates. And we appreciate you spreading the word, keeping people informed, getting folks onto our app, which is free uh, at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Just type in KBLA like K-Black without the C and the K, KBLA-1580, and boom, it'll pop up. You can download it, get get a chance to listen to us on your phone or wherever you are. So looking forward to the conversation with State Senator Lola Smallwood-Cuevas. She's been a champion for labor her whole life, and we are in a hot season of strikes, actions, and progress. Can't wait to hear what she has to say and get some updates on what's going on in Sacramento. It's KBLA Talk 1580.